millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Join us for a journey. As we go back to the great civilizations of the past, who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 95, Assyria versus Egypt. It's happening. Yes. The two greatest powers in the area. They are throwing down. They are going to throw down. What is it? The thriller in. But before we move into Egypt, we have to talk about Taharka, yes. the ruler of Egypt. Yes. So ancient Egypt is often redepicted as this autonomous standalone realm, one that remained untouched and unaffected by the African cultures that surrounded it. But Taharka was a famous king of Egypt that was from Nubia, the Kushian kings. It was a good-sized empire at the time, and Taharka and the Kushians and the Egyptians were definitely messing with the Assyrians for a while. Yes. This is the, the 25th dynasty. Mm-hmm. It's the twenty fourth. <laughs> Get that. No, it's the twenty fifth. I believe it's the twenty oh. fifth. Yeah. Yes, this is the twenty fifth dynasty of Egypt, and I think Egypt depicted as an autonomous standalone realm is kind of correct because the Kushites have been under Egyptian influence for so long. So Taharka is becoming a bit Egyptian. Absolutely, I agree with you a hundred percent. But he is definitely from Kush. Mm-hmm. And is also the king of Napata. So yes. it is an empire. And, and, they, they, and, they, and they say like that he sort of helped revive the, you know, maybe the Egyptian traditions. They were, he was more of an Egyptian traditionalist than some of the Egyptians. And I think that's common, actually, that he, he has now controls this ancient kingdom that he has a lot of respect for. So he becomes right. like, when the Egyptians uh, slack, he is like, right. wait, that's not the way to do it. Right. 
Absolutely. So it'd be like if Canada, you know, the mayor, United States started coming to Canada, comes and says, hey, take these traditions. I mean, they had pyramids. <laughs> um, not built by aliens, but they had pyramids, too. And this all, we talked about this, but it started during the New Kingdom when Egypt was so powerful that it actually reached into Kush. Mm-hmm. And then the New Kingdom uh, declined, but the Egyptian influence was still there. Yes. So, yeah, and then Taharqa, he's been, Taharqa and his, and these, and Egypt has been, you know, there's sort of like a proxy war going on in the Levant for all yep. this time, sort of setting up for this heavyweight bout. Um, you know, even back way back to the siege of Jerusalem, that was you know that was the Egyptians were part of that. There was Egypt, there was a battle right between the Egyptians and the Assyrians then, sort of a, came to a stalemate. Yeah, we know we had that battle. We, we he advanced as far as the brook of Egypt, but then they we figured we think that he lost. We think that the Assyrians lost a battle there. Now, as our Haddon has shored up all his, you know, he's got a succession treaty in place. He's got a peace deal with Elam. He's dealt with the Sumerians. He's, you know, he's dealt with the with the Arabs, so he's they're ready to go. And I think Tahark has done a poor job with his intelligence here. He hasn't encountered the full might of the royal Assyrian army. Yeah. And I think he has underestimated Esarhaddon a lot. I think so. You know, I'm going to ask you what you think, too, because I've seen some... You know, it says, and the Assyrians came in with iron weapons. I would. Do you th- don't you think that the Egyptians would have had iron weapons by six seventies? No, they don't. That's really? their problem. Yes. Oh well, that's a problem. Egypt is extremely conservative. There is an iron dagger found in the tomb of Tutankhamun. So iron was known to the Egyptians, but there simply is no iron in Egypt. So they couldn't enter the Iron Age, whereas Assyria is located in great iron areas. So the Assyrians have known about iron weapons and used them for a long time. But the Egyptians can't, and the Kushites can't either. So they have a big problem here as well. The Assyrian army has way superior weapons. That is an issue. So they were using bronze still. Yeah, I bet there are some iron weapons that they kind of bought or something, but right. they they don't have the the mines. They can't. Find. And so the deal also is iron is harder to smelt, right? It's a, so you get to smelt it at a higher temperature where bronze like, was easier, right? But you need tin and copper to make bronze. That, that's yeah, this was the way the Hittites uh, managed to keep the Egyptians away a long, long time before that, because the Hittites were the original iron wielding people. But uh, they, there is still no iron, or not much of it, in Egypt. All right. Well, that's a big deal then, too. So here come the Assyrians with their iron weapons, and it's even and noted in the chronicle. And their super, super battle-hardened army that has been <laughs> fighting every year. Right. Organized by Tiglath Pelleser III into right. an incredible war machine. And uh, it's, yeah. To Taharka's defense, he has not... the Kushites are way superior fighters than the Egyptians so he might think that he stands a chance here but he is uh, badly mistaken I think it's a manly thing don't you you always get the vision of like these guys like the the Vikings or you know they're in this room they're like we'll kill them we'll kill them you know they don't want to say like we're going to get our butts kicked and also this 
the length of time that has gone by since Egypt was actually invaded from the north. Right. It was invaded from the south by the Kushites. Right. But that was sort of an invasion from within. Right. Whereas this is anyway. (laughs) Yeah, this is a foreign invader that failed for the Sea Peoples. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. This is basically the first since the Hyksos, right? This will be the first foreign invasion. From the north, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the, so it's in the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Egyptians, they... Uh, Takaharka cares about the Levant and the north, of course, but the Egyptians are not really so obsessed with this. They're like, we are in the best place in the world. We have been safe for a long time. What could possibly happen? Right. I, th- I think countries um, and empires, they, they sort of mess around with the things on their edges to keep sort of a buffer zone. So that's why they like to keep it as, as a buffer. You know, in other words, if the Assyrians were right up to the empire, well, what's next? They're going to come over. So that's why they sort of, you know, they keep that buffer zone by keeping everything, play everyone against each other, sort of keep that area in play and keep that yeah. area not stable. But the buffer zone is stabilized. Uh-huh. It's that's what conquered. Happened. It is. It's all conquered, and here it comes. And the Babylonian Chronicle even says, the 10th year in the month of Nisanu, which is March and April. Harvest onions. Onions. Yeah, harvest onions. The army of Assyria marched to Egypt. And then on the third day of Tasritu, which a lot of stuff happens in Tasritu, which is... uh, um, September, October, there was a massacre in Egypt. I bet there was. Mm-hmm. There was. And um, there's a lot going on with Ezra Haddon at this time, too. But, like, if we sum up, like we said, there, there's, he took care of the client states, made the peace treaty, dealt with the Arabs. And um, so Ezra Haddon's army was led by his uh, eunuch. Um, so they crossed the Sinai Desert and they defeated Taharka's army in the first battle. Um, right then. And that then should be was, a wake-up call for Taharka. <laughs> yeah, there was trouble. I mean, there was definitely trouble. Losing the first battle was not good. There was a couple more. And here's the crazy thing. 11 days after the first victory, Ezra Haddon does this substitute king ritual. I think we could just talk about that later so we don't lose the train okay. of this part. But that's, he's just he's an odd dude. So he does that ritual. And then the eunuch... He continued the, the they, we're not sure who, which eunuch it was, but we know that his eunuch um, general continued the campaign. Two more battles, they captured Memphis. Taharka got away, but the crown prince and his whole family was caught. Wow. All the temples and palaces were plundered, and according to the Syrian records, they took away 55 royal statues to Nineveh. Nineveh. Why is Esarhaddon not leading this personally? So Esarhaddon was a sickly person and being sick in the old in the ancient days meant that you were probably unfavored by the gods or a god or something that's cursed you and that you couldn't be you needed to be strong to be an Assyrian king you needed to be like a perfection of manhood so if anybody thought you you know if you weren't 
then you could you lose your head from a you know rebellion that kind of thing, and just in general as so Ezra had and I actually wrote some. You gotta think back. So you you know like it's, these guys are suspicious are superstitious, right? So if you go back in a couple generations, so Sargon takes power from Tiglath Pileser, right? Oh, from and, from his son, right? He takes he takes the power. Then uh, you know. Um, and Sennacherib was was there at the time, and then Sargon dies in battle. And Syrian kings aren't supposed to die in battle, right? So now that's like maybe there's a curse on the family there. And then Sennacherib is king, so he actually moved the um, he moved his capital because um, they felt that capital that Sargon was building is haunted. So yeah. then, Azarhaddon, when he comes to power, he has to take the he has to take his you know kingship by force, and now. He has this bad disease. So what they said, no, the doctors could never figure out what he had. So how, he had did a, he, how did he know? Uh, what did he look like? So he had a skin rash, which was on his, which was also on his face. So he had to cover his face when anybody came to see the king. He had a skin rash, and he would go be a, um, alone, just hide away with f- fits of vomiting and diarrhea. Oh, right. So yeah, good times, right? So I read that, that it could be lupus that he had. Uh, lupus is a you, when you have lupus, you could have a skin rash on your face, a butterfly rash. They call it. Nobody, nobody really knows. Um, you know, he had some sort of chronic disease though, because he was yeah. really sick. You know, a lot of times, and it even says that his, he had eighteen children, and some of them were sick. So he had some sort of chronic disease. And one thing about lupus is that uh, it's affected by sunlight. So now he's moving his way down to Egypt, and sure, there was plenty of sun there. So he was sick a lot. He had the skin rash. He was afraid for his life, and here's the here's the thing with the substitute king too. Okay, wait. So first, a skin rash is um, thought to be a curse of the moon god seen. And on the way to Egypt, he stopped in Haran, which is like in Syria, and there was a prophecy. And he built up the moon temple. He like did a whole new building project there, and there was a prophecy that said he would conquer the world and conquer Egypt, and it came. True, so he really, um, you know, believed stuff that happens with the moon god. And like I said, the moon god is, his curse is skin rashes. So the substitute king is a ceremony, is an ancient uh, religious thing where the king, for a hundred days, brings in another person to be the sub, to be the substitute king I guess to fool the gods I guess the gods aren't smart enough to know that he's the king so they just called Ezar Haddon the farmer and he was gone for a hundred days that's it like he's just you know he doesn't get involved in anything so the other people or his eunuchs take care of everything and this other guy who is the fake king the substitute king is the king for a hundred days but after a hundred days they kill him Yeah, and this substitute king is basically just uh, enjoying kingship. He's not making decisions, but he has a very good life during his mm-hmm. time as king for a hundred days, and then he is killed. Yeah, I don't think they tell him that part. I don't know. Who, I'm not really sure. So you can't do it too often because then they know what happened to the last substitute king. I guess, but he, he's Ezrahan has done it once before already, and he does it a couple times. Or maybe they just recruit somebody from the countryside who doesn't know oh, about this. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, I think they did fairy tales about that, don't they? Where somebody they make be the king, like his 
You know, yeah. somebody's <laughs> after you or something, a lookalike or that kind of thing. But they didn't have to do a lookalike. They just get somebody, and he's a substitute king. So while he's not there, and he's maybe he's having fits of diarrhea and whatnot, he, um, they conquer Egypt. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. So where is Cesar Hedon? He's this substitute king is representing him. During the conquest itself. Yeah, yeah, he must be in his tent just hiding away. So it's all this eunuch general who does all the good things. Yeah. And the army. Yeah, he runs. I mean, you know, they obviously had generals and and things like that. I'm sure because the king probably, I mean, he probably didn't get way up in the front. A lot of the kings, I would think, you know. um, This this tells me how much of, uh, of an easy victory this is. The Kushites are not ready for this at all. Yeah. Because imagine the wealth of unplundered Egypt having accumulated for all this time. Mm-hmm. That would have brought a big, big boost to the uh, treasury's coffers, I would imagine. But at this time, we are just... Do, how much do the Assyrians control in 671? Down to uh, Memphis. That's not very far. So that would be, right, so that would be, as they call, Lower Egypt. And it's the north, but you know how they call Lower yeah. Egypt. So that Lower Egypt. So he doesn't get all the way down, and so something may happen later in the 660s, but in this right now, they just control up to the north. So they just gave them a, I mean, it's got to be like, I mean, we read this like, oh, they did that, but then here's the king. He's hiding away for 100 days. He's got <laughs> so strange. Right? I mean, it's just crazy stuff. It's just happening. Ashkenazipal would not be impressed. No. Mm-mm. No. He, I mean, I, I got to tell you, Dan, I watched this video. I tried to watch it. It was, it was the vid, the play was good, but the filming was, it was like a guy had a video camera and he just filmed this play from Oxford, England, right? The college. So these really smart students put on a play about Ezra Haddon and they show yeah. him as a very like, Oh, I'm sickly, and he's, oh, why do the gods hate me? And his doctors can, and people are, you know, kissing his butt, and he's afraid all the time. I mean, it's a, it's, I mean, who would think there's a play about this? Um, but there is a play about it. I got through most of it, but it was Where, the where did you find work. it? Was it on YouTube? I found it on YouTube. I have the link in, the, in our script here, and I could put that up there, too. Oh, please do. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's just, 
God, I hope the guy who filmed it doesn't hear me, but it's just maybe he just got a new video camera and he just kept like focusing and forward and back. And but it's, I mean, they describe him as, and they use it's all taken from the records and history, all the the tablets and letters. You could hear the the oaths, all these things. They it's it's wow. the whole story, really. But I can imagine finding the wealth of Memphis uh, sort of gives the Assyrians a bloody tooth that uh, now there is more down south. Oh, sure. Sure. I might as well just finish them off, too, because maybe Taharka's not... Like you say, they didn't get Taharka. They oh, only got um, his family. So they only, usually like to get them and finish them off. You can lick his wounds and get more people from Kush. Exactly. Exactly. And as Erhadans doesn't feel healthy... You know, he doesn't know how long he'll make it. He's kind of like Job from the Bible. Interesting comparison. Right? He's got skin rashes and all these problems. So, you know, I know it's funny, too. Then there's no Babylonian chronicle entry for the ninth year. Interesting. Right? And it's, that's really different, yeah. Then, then the 11th year, I'm sorry, yeah, there's no entry for the ninth. Goes in, the 11th year, it's 670, it says... In Assyria, the king put numerous officers to the sword. I wonder this, why. Well, it's a big conspiracy, and it's I had to do a lot of digging. And again, Karen Radner, she had a paper on this, where she does a lot of good research. And I, I'm going to go by what, what she says. So, so remember said that Ezra had, and he visited the temple to the moon god on the way to Egypt when um, before they invaded, and they had a prophecy that said he would win. So... But by doing that, they possibly people said, he's got a skin rash. <laughs> you know, what's up with that? It's kind of weird. And he's here for the moon god? He must have pissed off the moon god. So around 671, 670, a second prophecy comes where a local woman falls into an ecstasy uttering a divine message. This is the world word of the god Nusku. Kingship belongs to Sasi. I shall destroy the name and the seed of Sennacherib. So that's like a pretty big curse, right? And we don't know who the Sasi is. Do we um, know who Nusku is? He's a god. <laughs> we could look him up. Yeah, it's the vizier of the uh, chief Sumerian god Enlil. So that doesn't tell us much, but um, maybe he was good at prophecy. Yeah, well, he, you know, there's a thousand gods, so any of them could have something to say. So, you know. <laughs> well, maybe this was just some drunken woman who decided to cause trouble. Well, Oxum's razor would say that's probably what it was, as opposed to a god <laughs> who. <laughs> okay, what happens next? So now he's now he's really scared. I, I believe he does the uh, he does the yeah he does the he does it again. The substitute king. Okay. So he does the substitute king again. So now he's in hiding, right? But they, they took this seriously because they just felt like um, there was a prophecy. Probably, you know, there's a good chance people think that he's sick, this kind of thing. You know, you know, he was maybe they never caught his brothers. You know, there could have been this conspiracy going on all, all the time, right? Okay. Um, so it, it looks like he had a ton of his officials put to death. I mean, there could have been some battles. There's, there's archaeological evidence of destroyed houses. In Assyria, um, yeah, in all over different parts of Assyria and around Haran or different cities. There's and the reason they know it's around the time is they find a destroyed house with letters in it that are dated for around that time. 
So wow. these people could have been involved in the conspiracy. And remember we said about the Assyrian Chronicle? So they list the Chronicle by officials, so, you know, not the king. It'll be like this year, this official, this year, that's what. In 670, there's nobody because there are nobody to make the Chronicle. He's probably dead. Oh, my he God. He just like cleaned house in 670. Wow. So, and it works, right? It works for him. Yeah, I mean, it works. I mean, I don't know how good it worked for the Syrian Empire in general. It reminds you of the uh, conspiracy where, where the Germans got the the Russians, the Soviet Union, to execute all their top generals and then invaded. <laughs> you know? It's also sort of should uh, make the Syrians lose focus for the conquest of Egypt. Right? I mean, Taharka was pretty good. I mean, to, some, to me, it seems like Taharka was like that. Maybe he knew he wasn't as strong as he could be, but he was always that, in the spy master. Oh, interesting. Right? I mean, he's like starting all these battles in, in you know, the Levant and this, and who knows? Maybe Taharka and the yeah, Egyptians, you know? Maybe the woman who fell into ecstasy was an Egyptian spy. That could be, Matahari. That could be. I mean, hey... Honestly, who knows? So we could assume that this Sasi was probably one of the executed people. We could, but we don't know who he is. They also say Sasi could just be like a common name, like, you know, not a common name or a title. So we're not really sure who Sasi was. Okay. Well, yeah, maybe so. they executed everybody named Sasi. <laughs> it's a bad day for the Sasi. Yeah, I hope they never have it. Execute everybody named Bernie. I'd be like, oh, geez. <laughs> Some drunken woman screams that uh, Bernie will replace Trump, and then you're in trouble. Maybe Bernie, maybe my other Bernie will, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> oh, no. no. Let's not get into American politics. No, God, we'll be in trouble. We'll be getting all kinds of posts. We're just kidding, for the yes. record. <laughs> just kidding. We're just talking about the 670s BC. So what that's a, what an end. What an end, end to the yeah. 670s. But it's a yeah. cliffhanger because Ezerhan is still alive, just killed all his people. Maybe Taharka had something to do with it. Taharka's still alive. Yeah, Taharka still has a unified kingdom. He has lost a part of it, but uh, right. Egypt is still behind him. Yeah. I mean, that's a and far of course away they, too, right, from Assyria. Yeah, and of course the Egyptians like the, the Kushites a lot better than they like the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Of course, the Kushites are half Egyptians at this point. So right. they, they observe Egyptian rituals, but uh, Esarhaddon will not. Not in you the know, same way. They do. You know, I'm going to just mention one little obscure thing, too, I found. I didn't even put it in the script. Is um, There's literature, uh, literary tradition from a start around this time that goes until about the 200 AD, right? Until about the Christian era, about this time, and about heroes from the Delta, who team up with Taharka and fight the Assyrians. Wow. Like stories, you know, the persons, like all these, this, a whole literary tradition. Interesting. In Egyptian. Yeah, and it, it, so that lasts from the 670s BC to 200. So you're looking at like eight, 900 years of a, a literary tradition of stories about heroes and stuff from this time. So, I mean, you know, that happened in 670, but somebody might write about it, you know, in <laughs> 1 AD, because it's like us writing about, you know, like like Vikings or something. Yeah, it reminds me of the Three Kingdoms in China, which was sort of the place to put all the stories for right. a long time. 
Right. So that, there's a whole literary tradition starts in the 670s in Egypt about this about fighting the the um, Assyrians. That really sounds like the Egyptians prefer the Kushite rulers. Absolutely, absolutely. Or maybe at one point they could get an Egyptian pharaoh again. Maybe. It has it has been a long time since we had an Egyptian pharaoh. Actually, before we started the podcast, before 1000 BC, oh, or no, really? it was the uh, it was the uh, conquest of the Libyan dynasty. We talked about that in the 10th century. Aha. Uh-huh. So Libyans ruled Egypt, and then the Kushites ruled Egypt. But one day, maybe they will have an Egyptian pharaoh again. One day, maybe. Taharka is still alive. Azarhaddon is still alive. Ashurbanipal is still alive. Ashurbanipal is still alive. It, there may be another showdown in the desert. And I can't remember the name of Azarhaddon's brother, Shamash Shumukin. You yeah. say him the best. Shamash Shumukin is still alive. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a showdown coming. I don't think it's over. Wow. Let's get to the 660s BC. Yeah, let's do it quick as we can. I'm going to get right into it. I'll see what weird jokes you can write about the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> I love the 60s. I was born in the 60s. Oh, I just <laughs> aged myself. You did. I did, but maybe the late, maybe the early. Anyway. Maybe. Uh, yes, uh, that's it for the 670s BC. Please go to iTunes if you listen to this on an Apple device and give us reviews. That will make the podcast more visible for other people. If you understand Swedish, I have eight more podcasts for you, but uh, you probably know about that already. Uh, there is a Facebook page for Fano History. That is also the easiest way to message me or Bernie. We do have a Patreon and we are very grateful for any donations. It's also Fano History on Patreon. You can find me on Twitter as Dan Horning and on Instagram as Dan underscore Horning. Where can the listeners find you, Bernie? You can find me on Facebook. I'm uh, on the Fan of History page, which I will monitor, or my personal Facebook page, Bernie Mayopolsky, M-A-O-P-O-L-S-K-I, podcasting from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Junior. I'm not a junior, but there's my father is also Bernie Mayapolsky. So look don't, for the younger looking guy. Uh, don't harass Bernie's father. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, I was great. Um, that's the 670s. Uh, I love it. I would just, I would also like to say, um, if any, if you, you know, you want to contact me and you have any information, I love that. I would love that. I could, you know, I love doing the research and I love talking and doing these podcasts with Dan. And so if you have any extra information, if anything to add, especially things like India, things in um, the East, because I have a hard time finding that stuff. And maybe it's in different languages, which I don't speak Chinese or any of those other languages. So anything like that or just anything, I really, you know, I would take any kind of a help. We could correspond back and forth, you know, like just any of that type of research help will be great. And this applies at least until... 600 BC. So if you have any information on any of the decades remaining in the 7th century BC, send it to Bernie. Yeah, because I could keep it in different files. Absolutely. We will do something special for episode 100 of Fano History. Uh, So keep tuned to our Facebook where we will reveal 
the specialness of episode 100. Nice. Thank you very much, Bernie, for all your work. Thank you, Dan. Speak to you later. Okay. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.